Welcome back to episode 11. We're the Healthcare Pros, and this is Storytime. My name is Dr. Chris, and I am the founder of the Center for Fitness, Health, and Performance and the creator of Muscle Care. My name is Colby Bucci. I'm a physiotherapist and clinic director at the Center for Fitness, Health, and Performance. And today we're going to be telling you some stories of our personal injuries, things that we've been through in our sports and fitness lifestyles. And we want to give you some lessons learned on how you don't have to go through these same issues, deal with these same pains, and you can do your best to avoid a negative outcome. Disaster. <laughs> <laughs> So Colby, in order to avoid disaster, what can you tell our listeners today? Yeah, so the story that I want to share today is, it's one about a very annoying, very nagging shoulder injury I went through. So my right shoulder, I had this sharp pinching pain for years. It would come and go, but it was always kind of there and present. It was really exacerbated or made worse at the gym. So when I would lift heavy weights, well, what I consider heavy, maybe not so much for you and your your big shoulders there, (laughs) it would be a pinching pain. And it was so frustrating. I'm sure many people have had different issues in their body, injuries where it limits their ability to exercise or to even walk or just enjoy the day. So this was the example for my shoulder. A lot of pinching, a lot of pain. I was like, okay, I need to finally do something for it. And that's the point I really want to get across with my personal story is that with a lot of chronic repetitive strain injuries, it's not gonna go away on its own. It's not gonna just like wake up and you'll be fine one day. You have to put in the work and a diligent effort with rehab exercises. Well, what about the causation? Because a lot of the time there's multiple things that cause these problems. So it's not like, let's just stop this one thing or do this one thing. So in your case, what were the two or three major causes of this particular pinching problem in your shoulder, do you think? My primary cause was posture related. Secondary, I'd say, is a weakness in the the rotator cuff muscles or the stabilizer of the shoulder. So spending a lot of time through school and at work now and at home with certain hobbies in that rounded forward posture puts a lot of strain on the shoulder. You're talking about gaming. Gaming, being on my phone. You're just like everybody else. Studying to solve world hunger. (laughs) All these things that I do with that forward posture. Yes. Puts a lot of strain on the shoulders weakens the muscles that support the shoulder joint so then when i go to the gym and i'm like okay let's see how much weight i can put on a bench press my shoulder is not stable that ball and socket joint it's kind of shifting moving around and the tendons the tissues they get pinched okay so what therapies did you do or use at that time to help you get better and what exercises stretches and other things did you do as well that again might help our listener to attack their particular issue that was similar in symptom to yours yeah, so I knew for a while exactly what was causing this and the what I needed to do. I just went through bouts where I didn't quite stick to the plan. So I, I dialed in. I said, okay, I'm going to do this diligently, and I'm going to stick to my workout program, which consisted of a lot of exercises to target posture. So strengthening those little muscles between your shoulder blades at your back, right? Strengthening my core muscles to hold my spine up when I'm sitting or working. And the little, fairly boring, that's why a lot of people don't do them for the shoulder, strengthening exercises for the rotator cuff muscles. They're very small muscles and the shoulder is made for mobility. It's made to move a lot. So it's not really stable in nature. Right. So we need to target those little muscles to hold everything in place while we do other movements, other actions or exercises. 
So but. things like, and I think we talked we touched on these last episode in the Theraband at home exercises, external rotation exercises, right. rows, those type of movements, a lot of stability, high reps, lower weights to isolate those fine tuned muscles. Right. So when you say, yeah, I mean, I, I love the fact that you said the shoulder joint is like super built for mobility. But at the same time, it's also let's let's help our under, our, our listeners understand it. It's a hanging joint, like it's a it's a ball that just hangs there. There's no real ball and socket like your hip joint. It just hangs there. So you know the slightest tightness or strain or weakness or tear in one of those multiple muscles or tendons across that joint can create havoc in the way that shoulder feels and moves. Right? Exactly. So diagnosis is super key. And a lot of people who do weight training, like myself, I fell into this category, rarely do you go to the gym and you think, okay, I'm going to work on these very, very small but important muscles. It's all about the big shoulder muscles, the chest, the lats. And this is where they get overdeveloped and they cause a lot of that pull and that hanging joint of the shoulder hangs in the wrong place. So like when I think of the shoulder, I think of trapezius workout with shrugs. Yep. I think of the posterior tissues like the rhomboids especially, and this will do some of the rotator cuff, like the rowing you know, maneuver you talked about. I think about lat pulldowns for latissimus. I think about pec flies for chest. I think about rota- you know, rotating the arm outward for external rotation, which is the rotator cuff, guys. I think about dumbbell raises to the side and to the front. And if you do all of those things, you're probably going to touch on most of the important muscles of the shoulder. But like you said, a lot of people just do one or two of those exercises, and then you create that imbalance. Yeah, and even if you are doing those exercises, a lot of people, again, depending on your workout goals, they try to push a little too heavy. And then you're using those bigger, like you're just using your deltoid, your big shoulder muscle, and the other little important ones that you're trying to target are just being lazy. Right. So sometimes you have to dial the weight down a bit to really isolate and target. Okay, so we can talk about what was the diagnosis of your shoulder problem? So my diagnosis was a supraspinaceous impingement with a secondary long head of biceps tenosynovitis. Well, there, that's great because today we want to introduce the word of the day is tenosynovitis. So why don't you talk about what that means? Yeah, so a long fancy, fancy term, but in a nutshell, it just means that the tendon, which is part of the muscle that attaches to the bone, it gets inflamed. There's this covering around the tendon and that gets fluid in it, it has fluid in it, which gets inflamed and it rubs, the mobility is down. That's the synovium. So that's where the syno comes from. Yeah. Synovium is the fluid. Right. The itis at the end. Anytime you hear itis at the end of a word, just pertains to inflammation. Perfect. So that fluid filled sheath around my tendon was inflamed. Right. So that means that the tendon doesn't move smoothly through that sheath or sometimes not at all. And that's a grabbing or a painful part of the process that just keeps exacerbating inflammation and pain. Yep, exactly. And for me on the biceps tendon where I had that, that was a secondary factor because that bicep tendon was like, okay, let me help out. Let me try to stabilize when it's not cut out for that. So because my shoulder was out of position, it was trying too hard working overtime. It got inflamed and irritated. Sure. And you did bring it up. I mean, bicep and tricep are still part of the shoulder joint. So that should still be included in a well-rounded shoulder workout. For sure. And the reason we said tenosynovitis is because so many patients come in and ask that question. They have it on their ultrasound reports, their MRIs, their doctors told it to them, but no one's explained it to them, right? So again, teno is just short for tendon. Sino means the oil or the fluid around the actual tendon that lubricates the tendon in its sheath to move. 
And uh, the tendon itself, as you mentioned before, attaches a muscle to a bone. And then the itis is just inflammation. Exactly. So in a nutshell, my injury came from poor habits, poor postures. And the one thing that finally turned the corner and allowed things to heal was taking it back a notch, focusing diligently on the isolated proper movements, muscle groups, and exercises that I need to do, strengthening the back, strengthen the rotator cuff, stretch the front, like the pecs, just to open up that posture. How about swimming? Are you a big swimmer at all? I'm not a big swimmer. I wish I was. It's probably one of my like worst performance sports, <laughs> um, which is actually good because my workout's only like five minutes because I'm gassed. <laughs> swimming with um, with shoulder injuries is, is good at the right time and with a proper stroke, right. obviously. If you have a really bad impingement in the shoulder and you do an overhead crawl might cause you some agony but at the right time it can be a great rotator cuff and shoulder strengthening exercise yeah i felt you know like in my earlier life when you know i would have you know i was mountain bike racing and i was you know have the odd crash and i'd you know separate my shoulder and i remember it started actually in aspirin in 1994 when i was skiing and i dislocated my shoulder for the first time and after that those ligaments that hold that hanging joint together become super weak, super stretched out. The tendons are probably ripped and strained, micro-torn, whatever. And I remember, like, I used to be, you know, put my arm up in the air and my shoulder would come out of joint. And, uh, and I found that resistance bands, so super inexpensive, yet super versatile. Resistance bands were a fantastic way to get me going or back to normal. But also swimming, even though it's hard to even get your arm to do, like, a, a, a front crawl motion, even fake it. Just even get in the water and start just moving water around, just, just getting resistance on those arms, moving them in different directions, and then slowly starting to try to get that stroke going. Because I'll tell you, I saw just overnight success when as soon as I could start swimming for a shoulder injury. So again, we know it's hard. We know that not everybody has a pool. We know it's cold. Most pools are frozen right now. But swimming and shoulders, resistant bands, I love it. Yeah, if there's like zero or one out of 10 pain when you're doing these type of exercises, try it out. If every stroke or every pull is like, ow, ow, okay, maybe yeah, not, not the right yet. time. Exactly. But absolutely. There was a, a really interesting study where they actually surveyed a couple thousand Canadians about shoulder pain. And they found that in that study, 60% of the participants in the past year had a complaint of shoulder pain. Of those groups that had shoulder pain, they followed up a year later, they still had the same pain. So it shows us, A, that it's very prevalent out there, shoulder pain. A lot of people have different forms of it. And B, that they're either not seeking the right therapy, the diagnosis was wrong, or they're not doing the homework. The study didn't really touch on the factors, but it shows that it is a challenging joint to rehab, but it can be done with focus. Right. I think before we stop, too, we should also say that the shoulder muscles are all made to work by the nerves from the lower part of the neck and the upper back. So if you go to a therapist, physiotherapist, chiropractor, sports physician with shoulder pain or shoulder dysfunction, and they don't assess your lower neck and upper back and shoulder at the same time, then you won't get the proper diagnosis because chances are they're, again, based on all the postures that we have today, especially when we're looking down at our phones and laptops, our front lower neck nerves called the brachial plexus are probably getting compressed and are probably agitating or weakening the muscle around the shoulder. Yeah, and that's part of the reason why I think in this study so many people had that pain still a year later is because it is so intertwined with the neck, the back, the shoulder blade, the shoulder joint. And if you're just trying to treat one local part of it, you're going to have a really hard time. Right on the money. So that was a good story. How's your shoulder now? Shoulder's great. So 
literally it took me about four weeks of doing these like really little rehab exercises and after that i was able to like put on as much weight as i could handle at the time and bench and lift and do whatever pretty pain-free perfect so it's been great happy to hear it yeah i have to keep up with my shoulder routines though right lessons learned what are we learning let's talk about that I still personally, my goals are still to try to like increase my weight and lifting and try to get muscle mass, et cetera. But I mix in with that, these little rehab, important stabilizer exercises, stretching, checking my posture, all that stuff, ergonomic when I'm working or playing video games. And that also bodes to lessons learned are that when people get better from an injury, as soon as they feel better, they want to stop. Their first inkling is to stop doing the things that got them better. Because they don't think about it as, oh, I might have to manage this weakness for a long time, maybe forever. So, you know, and this is what you're doing. You've actually learned that. You're doing the things that got you better, you know, on a maintenance basis going forward so that you can achieve the goals that you want to compete in Mr. Universe. Exactly. Right. And shoulder, back, foot, whatever it is, if there are pains or injuries that are brought on by lifestyle or habits... Just because you went and did your exercises, those haven't changed, right? Could be occupation. You're still going to work. So definitely things you have to continue to manage for the long haul most of the time. Perfect. So again, remember, any advice that we give you in this particular episode, it's Colby's and my personal experience and our professional experiences. So it's not medical advice. These are just guidelines or suggestions that might help you navigate some of the pains or problems that you've had. Now, Chris, I know the story you're going to tell next is... Much more dramatic and exciting than mine. That's great. Um, So what are you going to tell us about? Well, my claim to fame, the biggest and most exciting dramatic injury that I had, was approximately 14 years ago, almost 15 years ago. uh, I used to be a mountain bike racer, and there was a famous race. It was called Paris-Ancaster, and it was a 60-kilometer mud race. And if you rode it on a mountain bike, your mountain bike tires were too big, the mountain bike itself was too heavy, and you would accumulate so much mud, it would really slow you down. And the guys that always, and girls, that always won were on a cyclocross bike, which is like a road bike converted to uh, a gnarly, you know, mountain bike or off-road bike, if you will. It's faster, it's lighter, it doesn't accumulate the junk. So I had got a brand new cyclocross bike. It was my third time riding the bike. And I was with a buddy flying down a trail. It was in March, and the race was in April. And uh, it was wet. It was rainy. There was sand on this asphalt surface, and there was a hairpin turn. And I whipped around that hairpin turn. I touched my disc brake to the right as I spun around, and literally that disc brake locked. And my bike twisted with my foot still attached to the pedal. So my tibia, which is my shin bone, and we'll talk more about that knee joint in just a second, twisted in half, and I heard this clunk right inside of my body as if something blew up. I was on the ground, I lay there for a minute, and I'll tell you, my foot was still attached to the bike. So it was impossible to unclip at the angle and the speed that I was going with. So I clipped it out, but realized that later on, I mean, I had broken my tibia right in half and I still had to unclip. So I got myself up and I limped and hopped over to a little railing beside a wall and I sat on it, and I took my leg, and I started to move it back and forth. And in our world, we call that the drawer sign. And my leg was moving way more than it ever should on any given day. Yeah, seriously. So um, we were actually within a kilometer to a hospital. None of us had phones. So again, one lesson. When you're out and about, take your phone, take your GPS, be able to contact people because weird stuff can happen. Even if you're a seasoned rider, weird things happen. 
So I actually rode my bike with one foot attached to the pedal to the hospital. And the hospital proceeded to think that I was in shock. And they did a very, very minimal orthopedic assessment and thought that the pop that I heard was my medial collateral ligament. So that was the ligament that attaches from the tibia to the femur. On the inner knee. On the inner knee. Okay. They thought that's all I did. They gave me anti-inflammatories, painkillers, and gave me a surgeon's name, but really said, look at medial collateral ligaments are something that you don't usually operate on. So you can go home. You'll be all right. What, uh, what town was this hospital in? It was in Toronto. Okay. We won't mention any <laughs> names, but I certainly... Uh, Hope I don't end up there ever. Uh, yes. I, I would recommend uh, that we talk further if anybody has an orthopedic issue. This hospital is not really, in my mind, known for its excellence in orthopedics. However, I rode my bike home from there. 5K. You sure you weren't in shock? I was probably I was probably a little bit of adrenaline still pumping. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, time had gone on and uh, we coaxed our way into the hospital. My riding buddy at the time was my lawyer and I was a doctor. So we just, you know, said what we had to say to get assessed. So it wasn't a long time. You know, we were triaged pretty fast. Got home, woke up the next day. My leg was the size of Arnold Schwarzenegger. If you know me. My legs are not like Arnold Schwarzenegger on a good day, you know, even after a great workout. So it was bloody from my groin all the way down to my ankle. And I had another one of my colleagues come over, check it, and the movement was crazy. And he felt that I had actually done something more significant. So I then, without x-rays at that hospital, okay, so none of us knew what else could have happened, I proceeded to put a brace around my knee and get myself to my own x-ray facility, were you weight-bearing at all at this time on yeah, that leg? Yeah, I was, I was limping around a little bit. Wow. Yeah. So you're putting weight right through that leg yep. that had a well, essentially we, disconnected shin bone well, that we didn't know about yet. That we didn't know about yet. So as soon as we took the x-ray, my tibia at the top, which is the large shin bone that you have, connects to the femur, which is the leg bone. So that's the sort of the joint of the day is the tibia femur, and fibula. The fibula is the outside little skinny bone that actually just attaches under the tibia. It really just for some stability uh, and attachment for muscles. It's not part of the true knee joint. So the tibia right at the top, half inch below the joint is called the plateau. And I severed mine right through. And it popped up a half an inch into the knee joint because that's where all the, the muscles, ligaments, and everything else attached. They pulled it up. So we knew that this had happened. We did a, a bone scan. We did a CAT scan and I actually pulled some strings, got down to see one of my orthopedic friends at a different hospital. And he proceeded to say, look at Chris, he took a purple pen and he wrote on a sheet that I was sitting on. He said, health versus wealth. You're going to be off work for three months. We're going to cut your back of your leg open. It's going to be a five hour surgery. We're going to screw the tibial plateau down to the tibia again. You will walk with a limp. You'll probably never ride a bike again which crushed me, and you'll be off for three months at least. So he said, you have to act pretty fast. His schedule was full, but he was able to maneuver things around so that if I got surgery within the next 10 days, scar tissue wouldn't ensue, and it would be still a successful outcome. But ding, 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 ding. If someone says they're going to put a screw inside of your joint, sit back for a second and think, well, does that make sense? Because that means that as those joints are moving, rubbing together, you know, we're going to have an irritating surface, a steel screw in the joint. So it's going to wear down and cause inflammation, cause faster arthritis. It's not going to be a good outcome. And I thought to myself, there had to be another way. So the funny part of this story is that when we buy a car, we always get a couple of different estimates and we go around at different car dealerships. When we're hurt, 
a lot of time we don't have time to get a couple of opinions. But I was like, you know what? There's got to be a better way. A lot of time when we're hurt, we go to what hospital is closest. We go to the hospital closest clinic. and the emerge, right? The emerge, right? Sure. But you have to also ask, like, if, if you've ripped something in half, you know, you can ask that question. If I don't intervene today, you know, how much time do I have before it becomes ineffective to intervene? right? Or a negative outcome. So again, I'm not telling everybody that when you break a bone in half, if it's, if it's broken in half and it's sticking out of your skin, you operate, you move then. My family and I at the time had a trip to Sarasota, Florida to Longboat Key booked the following week. And ironically, I'd had a very close female medical doctor friend of mine who used to work here in Toronto, right across the hall from me. And I had helped her and she ended up moving to Longboat Key because she was from the States and she wanted to end up her practice life in the US. And I called her and I said, Dr. Pam, I've done something to my knee. I need a really great top-notch knee doc. Do you have any? She said, Chris, I'm not gonna tell you who it is, but I've got the best. Here's the information. I'm gonna set up an appointment. You make sure that you get all these other tests done, get an MRI done, which turned out to be a page and a half long of damage, and come down to Florida. And I will make sure that if you get off the plane, Drop your stuff off at the hotel and go right to see Dr. John. You know, he will take care of you. So I arrived. I did exactly that. And he was a gem. He said to me, you know what? We've assessed you. The only test you don't have was a CAT scan. He took me across the road and he actually got me a CAT scan that I didn't have to pay for. He said, you know, I know you don't have insurance. I know it's going to be expensive and they owe me a favor. So out of the blue, super professional, super kind and super informative because he said, Chris, this, this CAT scan is going to show us that it's stable or not stable. And you know what? We got to get in there and we got to act on this thing within a week or so. Okay, at the worst. And we got to do something. But again, the surgery that you talked about is archaic. There's a better way. And he had a thought. And I knew I could see the wheels turning. But he was great. He said, let me think about it for today. I will call you by 5 o'clock tonight. And we'll have this conversation. So he said, you can still get in the water. You can still walk in the water. You can still swim. Keep it moving. Keep the rust from forming or the scar tissue from forming and see what happens. So sure enough, he called me at five, and he said, I think if we go in there arthroscopically, it turned out that this doctor was the number one rated arthroscopic surgeon in the country, and he was the doctor for the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Cincinnati Reds, and for all of the top tennis women players in the world. And this guy was rock star. He said, we go in with Kevlar stitches, we try to stitch it back down. And if that doesn't work, then at least we have something holding the tibia plateau to the tibia, and we can actually take a titanium screw from the outside, not inside of the knee, outside, and screw into the knee, shaft of the knee, upward toward the knee joint, and again, into the plateau, where at least those Kevlar stitches will hold it and not allow it to be pushed away, okay? So they did that. They actually even had a video camera inside the knee, and he talked through the entire surgery that I had with him a week later and told me everything that he was doing all the way along. And he said, the best thing about this surgery, Chris, is that I'll have you back to work in five days. Wow. You'll wear a straight leg brace. You'll wear it for six to eight weeks. You'll ride a bike again. You won't have a limp. <clears throat> That's what I can do. <clears throat> I believed him. I went home, actually, believe it or not. I stayed in Florida, had my holiday, swam. He got my affairs in order back at home, got my practice organized, brought my dad into practice because he was a chiropractor and he helped me out when I was away. And I went right back and he did the surgery. He was an absolute rock star. And uh, that was in April. And within, well, by July, I was actually riding a mountain bike. And uh, by November, I skied about 22,000 square uh, feet of vertical in Whistler in two and a half feet of powder. So 
you know, I was on my way back. It took two years for it to heal. And that's another lesson learned is that bones in 40-year-old people or more don't heal fast, especially if they're of the knee joints, shoulder joints, etc. And you've got to be patient and let them heal. That's my story. I'm still riding. I'm still walking. I don't have a limp. And I feel so thankful that I actually listened to my gut and got a second opinion. Wow. So not quite as exciting as my nagging shoulder story, um, but pretty close. Try. Good try. Yep. Um, okay. So yeah, pretty crazy though, right? Like in an instant, if you probably, if you weren't medically trained like you were, you would have been like, okay, doc, like that's the surgery we need to do. I guess my life has totally changed. Right. But I wasn't willing to accept that. Thankfully, everything seemed to align in your mind and in the stars with meeting your doctor friend in Florida, et cetera. And that's amazing. Nothing Thank holding you. you back. No. I've seen you bike and it's it's slow, but it's good. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, your uh, knee like bends backwards now. <laughs> I know, right? Hyperextension, well, we call that. I know. But listen, but my knee bends. Exactly. Right? That's the best part about it. Now, there was a muscle that was in behind my knee. And this is one other lesson. It's called the popliteus. So many lessons. I know. It's great. But it goes across the knee on an angle. And the thing about popliteus is it's it's often confused when it's in spasm with a baker's cyst. Can you say that again? Popliteus. 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 And the popliteus muscle actually houses the nerves and blood vessels, the sciatic nerves that go down from the bum and the back all the way down through the hamstring to the calf. And I'll tell you, when that muscle's tight, it irritates the blood vessels and nerves and it causes a lot of pain. So it's missed a lot of the time. Now, my popliteus was in crazy spasm. Now, the coolest part of the story was that at the time, we were formulating muscle care. Roll-on and cream. Thankfully, like for about a year, I lived with this thing. I went, went to all my guys in the clinic and they worked on it repeatedly with interferential and Accu and all kinds of stuff. And, you know, it would feel temporarily better, but it would always come back. And then we finished the formulation of muscle care cream. And the reason we call the muscle care cream the triple threat is because I used it three times a day for two and a half days and it broke the spasm in that popliteus with that magnesium delivery system so well that I was months without any reoccurrence of the tiniest of symptom. And even to this day, it's still a bit of a weakness for me. So again, I learned what you did. I stretch my calf every day. I use popliteus, uh, muscle care on my popliteus sporadically to make sure that I keep it at bay. That's all I got to do, right? Never forget what worked. So that was 15 years ago, you said? It was in 2006, so it's almost 15, correct. So today, do you have any lingering aches, pains in that knee? Uh, no, it doesn't bend fully, okay? But, I mean, I never wanted to be a gymnast anyway, so I think I'm okay. Nice. Yeah, yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, it definitely sounds like you dodged a bullet there. I dodged it. But again, if you're, you trust your gut, like if your gut says, and I have obviously a bit better insight because of all the years in you know, health practice, but if something doesn't sound right, and you're asking the questions, then don't be afraid to get a second opinion. Yeah. If you're not in imminent danger of something going very south. Exactly. Take some time back, especially when it's like it was that day. Like we said, your adrenaline's going crazy. So some people might not be in quite the right mindset. Like if you're if you're there with someone going through that, maybe talk them into like, let's chill. Let's go home. Let's revisit this. Think. Maybe ask second opinion. Well, and, and also, could you imagine if I listened to the doctors that assessed me from the first hospital and I just went to the clinic and I said, hey, Cole, get on that knee. Start doing active physio on that knee. Massage therapist, start beating up that tissue. Really start moving me around. Without the x-ray, without the proper diagnosis, I could have made my problems so much worse. And we see that a great deal in practice with lack of diagnosis or misdiagnosis. We like working with other practitioners, but the ones that we don't know 
we won't trust what they send to us and what they've said without assessing it or actually first. So a lot of patients will say, look at I, I, I just got a consultation by my doc. I just did this over here. Why do I have to do it again? Because you know what? It's in your best interest to have more eyes on it and make sure it's fully understood before you embark on any treatment. Yeah, because the rehab plan and stages of rehabilitation for a medial collateral ligament and MCL sprain is very different, obviously, than post-surgical rehab from a tibia fracture. Absolutely. So you can so, imagine, like, when I tore my MCL with this accident at the same time, I, I not only ripped the MCL off where it attaches at the femur, I pulled part of the femur off with it. So you can imagine, even to this day, you can feel where those scar tissue and irritation is around that particular area, because where's it going to go? It's always, it floats around. You know, in muscle, it's not supposed to be there. Bone in muscle floating around, not supposed to be there. No bueno. Right? No bueno. No. So anyway, those are... Bad Time Stories. No, sorry. That's another That's another book. Anytime Stories. Anytime Stories by Dr. Chris and Colby. Yeah, so we hope you, you take a little bit from these and learn some life lessons on how to navigate injuries if they do happen, prevent injuries from happening in the first place, and manage the side effects of injuries so that they don't keep being a pain in the shoulder. Or knee. Or knee. Thank you. This has been episode 11. I'm Colby. I'm Dr. Chris. And check yourself before you wreck your health. And remember... Anything that you heard today is professional advice, not meant to be medical diagnostic information in any way, shape, or form by Dr. Chris and Colby. If you have any ongoing conditions that are bothering you, please consult your chiropractor, physio, or medical doctor. Have a great day.